You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. Greg Hectus. Yo, yo, yo. And Tony Groves. Good evening, fellas. Hey, welcome back. All right. uh, Well, thanks for joining tonight. Uh, We got a lot of stuff, so let's jump into it. Uh, First off, we want to mention the Old Bastards Racing League. Uh, We're sponsoring their Monday night ARCA series uh, over there at the Old Bastard uh, Racing League. And uh, congratulations to Steve Thompson, who uh, wins it at the Irwindale Speedway. And so there were only two cautions uh, for 29 racers on a short track. Wow, that sounds pretty good, considering how Richmond's been going this week. Yeah. That, that, was, uh, that was such an awesome race. That was actually my, my first race with the Old Bastards League. And, um, I mean, I was, I was really, really slow. And I was uh, the lucky fella that brought out the first caution. I think it was at, like, <laughs> lap 55 or 56. Man, those guys can go. What a, what a great bunch of guys. Wow, green flag runs, huh? Yeah, I was pretty terrible. I um, I wasn't all that quick, but I was keeping it off the wall for the beginning of the race, first 50 laps or so. But uh, I think I got caught up in one wreck and got a 4X, and then I got a lap down because I had, um, on that first caution, actually, we... The back of the field, which is where I was, wasn't User caught up, and I channel. didn't pay attention, and came down pit road that first time, and should have waited till the second time. The leaders were right behind us, and went a lap down, and then I was racing a guy for the lucky dog, and slid out, just barely touched him, and wrecked him and the guy behind us. So that sucks. Yeah, especially as like like Tony said, they're really clean racers. It's the last thing you want to do is get into anybody. Yep. Yeah, looking at the points, it looks like Kevin Pearson is the points leader. All right, well, let's jump into the topics. Uh, Chris Scales, you're up first. Sorry there, Mike. I wasn't ready. I usually go first. I'm all the way at the bottom. Yeah, so this one is a, a little tidbit on the night day-night thing. But uh, pretty cool. It's like a little video uh, that Greg Hill tweeted out um, that shows the day-night transition at a particular track and what it looks like. And as it goes from night to day and then the lights come on, you know, once it gets dark. I actually did get to see this video, and it looks freaking awesome. I just I worry about these features, these really good-looking features that they're adding and how they're going to affect the sim, considering some of the other stuff there's, you know, people have been already been having some issues with performance. Yeah, and it shows the clouds going over the track, and they they make shadows as well and and whatnot. So it's very interesting. They show a dirt track as well and, and how that transitions, like I said, until the lights come on and then what it looks like uh, as it goes completely dark. Pretty cool. 
All right, Greg, you're next. Uh, next topic is a VR versus triples discussion. And I got the video here. I, I haven't looked up much on it. Um, but it was, uh, I guess, it's someone that's comparing the uh, VR versus the triples. I don't want to watch the video here because I was going to make too much noise on my stream. But um, I actually got into a <laughs> discussion about triples on Facebook a, a couple days ago as well on this. So I don't have much of the information on VR or triples because I run neither of them. But uh, I know most of you guys run trip. A lot of the guys run triples on the team. And then some are singles like me. Yeah, if you go fast forward on this video, and you can find it at YouTube called uh, at the uh, Meatloaf Guys. I mean the M O A T F Esports TV channel. Uh, anyway, uh, they did the comparison, and if you go to the end of the video at 9:08, you'll see the times, and they they put up their times when they ran triples, and they put up their times when they ran VR. And it was actually faster on VR for this particular person. Uh, the first couple laps by two and one second, and then two seconds, and then one second, and then one second, and then one second. So that was always faster on the VR uh, each and every time. So during their their little informal test. But I thought it was interesting that somebody took the time to document it and try to figure it out. The thing with like the VR, the VR is, is that you can swivel your head. And you can look at the apex of the corner, which is kind of hard to do with triples. Yeah, I'd yeah. be curious to see more of these. I'd like to see more people do the same thing. Not that there's that many people that are going to have both PR and triples, but yeah, I'd like to see more people try it. Well, and there's another variation what Greg is trying right now. Tell us about that, Greg. Well, I've been on um, the... Uh... IR, or track IR, I've been trying it for the last two, well, I've used it for two races, and I find, because I can look, I'm not going to go to a triple setup for probably a long time or ever, and if I do, I can still use track IR, but I'm not going to go VR, um, but I found with track IR, I can actually see my apex, and I can look down better. I, I, sent, a, I, I sent a video on our messenger, too, that showed that uh, how I was looking while I was uh, avoiding a wreck um, in today's r race that I had earlier and uh, how I managed my way through it by looking, you know, where I was going and it, you know, the, the track IRs work really well. I've had two races with it. I have a second and a fourth using it and zero incident points since I've been running it. So I don't know if it's contributed to it or it's been the setups, but you know, I'm really enjoying being able to look around the corner further than I used to be able to. Well, I think the track IR is an advantage for sure on a single. Um, I don't think I would personally like it on triples because I get this nauseous feeling if I'm not like locked to center kind of thing. Uh, I'm not good on roller coasters and that kind of thing. And that's why I think I wouldn't be good on VR either. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm interested by your results. I do. I've heard similar people say it really helps. So, well, Bobby and I were talking about he's got the triples and he wants to know how I'm doing with this because he's thinking of trying it with the triples because you can look around on the triples then too and and incorporate it with a triple monitor. Yeah. All right, uh, Tony Groves, you're next. Uh, Nurburgring. Yeah, there's uh 
Twitter post there. They're saying they're uh, they're getting ready for the semifinal number two at the Sim Racing Expo um, at the Nurburgring, um, and I believe from what I'm seeing here, it's 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 come and gone because we've got another tweet from iRacing um, showing the podium at Nurburgring, and uh, it looks like, and I am totally going to butcher these names, but uh, Maximilian Benicky, uh he grabbed gold. Silver came Moritz uh, Loner and Jeremy Budaloop. And if I butchered those names, I do apologize. That, that first guy you mentioned, he's the guy that has the over 10,000 I rating on road. We talked about him several months ago. What was his name again? Maximilian Benicky. Yeah. yeah, that guy, Maximilian. Yes, I remember him. I remember, yeah, looking at all those all those stats that he's got. Yeah, he is something else. But, yeah, he won the Sim Racing Expo, so we give him a shout-out for sure. But uh, a bunch of heavy hitters were there, apparently, you know, Mitchell DeJong and uh, all of them, you know. Uh, so very interesting. The setup, they did twit- tweet out several pictures and videos. In fact, they did a video of the whole event. Uh, it was very long. Um and you could sit and watch everything. It was all broadcasted. Uh, they had announcing and everything. It was pretty cool. It's almost like a 10-hour video. Holy jeez. Yeah, geez. it's like the whole event. And and I watched pieces of it, you know. There's actually, a spl- uh, in parts of it, there's a split screen where you can see uh, some people from iRacing, like uh, Steve Myers, the vice president or whatever his title is, and, and uh, a few other people are there from iRacing as well. But... Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And so, uh, Will Gibson, you just joined us. Uh, welcome back. Hey, what's up, guys? All right, so welcome I'm going to throw you to the wolves, Will. You have the next topic, uh, AI. <laughs> yeah, they had some AI available there at the Nürburgring for people to race against, and then they were showing it off. Um, we did get a couple cool YouTube videos people racing with AI. Um, One thing that was confirmed via the forums is only one person can race against AI at a time. So you're unable to set up a race, say, with another friend and AI. It's just you versus AI or you online racing other people. But we did get some really good footage of it. Yeah, the footage is uh, pretty cool. I mean, uh, it's just like somebody with a camera phone shooting over somebody's head. Uh, uh, basically an AI road race. And, uh, I mean, what'd you guys think of it? I mean, when I looked at it and I looked at the AI and how they, what their line was and kind of how the start went and I mean, it looked like real people. I mean, I couldn't really tell the difference. You could even see where the guy driving makes contact or the AI makes contact with him because they were going three wide into a pretty tight corner and they all held on to it. It's just a little Rubbin's race. And so, the AI looks good and not like a pushover AI like, say, other sims I've raced in the past. Yeah, if he would get a nose in on him on the AI car, the AI car would realize that and it would give him room, you know, and, and keep to his a, a lane and that kind of thing. And I, I was very impressed with what I saw. So, uh, yeah, check that out. That uh, YouTube channel is called Romson Racing, R-O-M-S-E-N, Romson Racing. Uh, the other thing that uh, we, we post found posted about the uh, AI was 
uh, a, to- a, a post by Tyler Hudson, and one thing that he mentioned, because he's been testing it, and so uh, his, this is an opinion that he has. He says, quote, I have had some incredibly intense battles with the AI. When you find the right setting, they will race you very hard, holding me extremely tight in high-speed corners, making dive bomb passes, pulling out like they're going to pass only to not make the move. So it's got me uh, juicy uh, thinking about it. It's going to be fun. I think it'll be a really good feature for people who are a little bit more casual. I'm hoping it kind of takes less of a learning curve out of the sim for rookies and people moving up the classes. They get a little more seat time, a little more practice, and we'll see less of those posts of how do I get out of rookies because... I mean, practicing on track by yourself is one thing, but once you're around other cars, it's a, it's a whole new sim. Well, uh, Matt Busa posted in the forums about it. His idea was, hey, uh, how about for setup building? I think John might like this one, but what, what if we put up a 40-car race and I can put 40 different setups in 40 different cars and have them all go around 100 laps, and then we can see which one's the best? And that would be a great way of uh, making setups. Huh, that'd be insane. Okay. Like uh, each car has got a different wedge in it, you know, or whatever, you know, different tire pressure, and you try to figure out what's better. Yeah, I'd be down for that. 40 different sets. That's a slow week for you, isn't it? That'd be cool. You didn't, No, you just <laughs> yes, change them incrementally. Is. You just have each one is up a notch or something. It, it sounds like he mentioned the AI settings. That would be a good way to test as well as if you could say, hey, this driver, AI driver, drives very heavy into a corner, this guy kind of rolls the corner better, this guy likes to kind of diamond it off. Like, If you could control the aspects of the AI to that detail, that would be phenomenal for testing as well. Because I know everybody drives differently, and that does play a big role in doing a setup. But you could see the same setup over four different driving styles, like, hey, we could give and take a little bit here or here for this driver to adapt. And I think there's a lot of potential for it for sure. We'll see. I, that's not confirmed. Uh, that was just somebody's idea, but um, it kind of sounds like they're building it that way where you can have different, uh, you know, hardness uh, between the drivers, so to speak, like Tyler was mentioning. All right, Chris, so let's keep moving. You're next. Uh, hot fixes have been coming out like hot cakes. Yeah, yeah, we've had quite a few of them. I think we actually might have even had another one this morning. I noticed it was um, um, down for a little bit. Uh, but I believe the first one was on the 20th, and uh, some of the things they had changed in that one, uh, fixed a crash when loading with older DX10 compatible GPUs, added optimizations to reduce possible stutters when switching to the F10 radio black box and when the voice chat would display certain images, fixed a post processing issue when AA was set to off and the graphics options and certain post-processing options were still enabled. I adjusted the particle system's spark texture images and optimized CPU usage of the animated character system. And that was just for the ones on the 20th. Okay, this is actually the older one. This is the ones for the 18th. Uh, yeah, I think well, this is the one that was a little bit bigger. Total. Yeah, there's been four total since the release, so... And, okay, this is those 18th one. It sounds like the one that was uh, causing us a lot of problems. That's where they optimized particle effects, skid marks, tire tracks, 
static shadows and the UI flag displays protect against potential CPU GPU stalls, which were found to be major source sources of stutters. Yeah, stuttering. Hopefully that's fixed. Yeah, so we've had a chance to, so this has been a few days ago. Has anybody had any of that since? I ran pretty smooth in the race today, except for I had something turned on in the background, so it wasn't iRacing's fault, but the rest of it was smooth. There were some people that were having some connection issues, but it ran really good. Yeah, but this is a stuttering issue. Uh, um, there's one topic just two ahead I'm going to throw into this. Uh, if you had a graphics card that was DX10 level, uh, you were not eye racing. Uh, you were broken. And this last release that was done this morning actually fixed that. And that's one of the big reasons they put out the one today is so to get those people back on track. That's what they get for having those fancy graphics cards anyway. That's the older graphics <laughs> cards, actually. Oh, is so, it? Yeah. Oh, is it the older ones? So oh, they yes, basically just cut off anybody who had an older one. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I wasn't paying close enough attention. All right, uh, Greg, you're next. Roval News. I actually uh, saw this uh, earlier on this week, too. I'm just trying to find the link here. Um, where's the link? Is it above the... Uh, uh, it's a Facebook link, but... Uh, oh, okay, yeah, I see it now. I got it now. Um, anyways, so they... Look, I saw the tweet from NASCAR um, saying that they were going to, or for my. Yeah, we lost you. Xfinity. You got me? Yes. Anyways, sorry about that. I just want to click open a thing. I don't know why I did it. Um, anyways, so it was uh, iRacing posted out that if there's any. Uh, Monster Energy drivers or Xfinity drivers that wanted to uh, test out the Roval that hadn't gotten any seat time could come down to their facility and uh, test it on their beta, I guess, of it that they have running so far um, on their rigs that they got uh, set up at the iRacing facility. Nice, but we can't run it next week. Yeah, that's that's kind of what caught me. I was like, okay, so it's it's good enough for them to run. I mean, I, I guess it might be a little bit buggy, but they can't. <laughs> we can't test it. I want to run it too. Yeah, the artwork isn't done, is what I read somewhere. Like the track is done, but the artwork isn't. Uh, stick it on that goofy test server and let us have at it. <laughs> right, like Long Beach, you know, the test track they called it or whatever. Yeah, some people suggested that, but uh, no, I don't think they're going to budge. This is not coming out uh, in time for next week. So, But if you're uh, a real NASCAR driver, you can go test. And I, <laughs> I, I guess let, let me ask that question. Who do you think will actually fly up there and do that? Do you think anyone will actually take them up on their offer? I wonder if Roche, one of the Roche Fenway drivers does it. You'd think that they would figure out a way they could give it to them in their house, you know, their, on their personal server, uh, like without having test. to make them fly up there. You know, just give them a sign-in to the beta server or whatever. Uh, it's, it's probably difficult on iRacing's part there. I don't know how it, would, uh, how it works for that stuff. Right. 
they they've had beta tests in the past. So I would think that would be the best way to go about it. And I'm sure guys like say Christopher Bell, I know he has a lot of praise for iRacing. I'm sure he's a beta tester, especially with the dirt and adding his midget and everything. Right. So. He probably already has beta credentials because he helped develop the dirt cars. So yeah, I mean, wouldn't you just let, you know, give him access to the new track or whatever and But yeah, cool. All right, let's keep moving. Uh Tony, uh you're next on the car is buried in the track. Yeah, so um like uh Randy Roberts uh posted up a couple pictures from a Talladega race that uh he did and yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> the uh um the right side of the cars are all kind of buried in the track they're not going with the track they're kind of staying level and uh digging right into the to the banking on the on the corners um alexander hornpipe tom just says well that doesn't look right <laughs> that's about as as far as that goes but uh i gotta say i've i've never noticed that before i don't know if that's just kind of a one-off thing or if everybody everybody in that uh in that race was noticing the same thing it's not just one of the cars, it's all of the cars, too. It almost, it almost looks like when a car gets um, kind of jumpy with their internet connection, and it like looks like it's about to go through the wall, then it appears back in its groove. It's like it thought it was on the straightaway, was level, but is actually in the middle of the corner. It almost looks like network-related in a way. I could recreate this, but remember when I had my Talladega problem with blinking and the cars like were like you said, jumping around and sinking into the car the track and sure I could have freeze framed the video at the just the right spot and recreated this photo, I bet. So I bet you that's what it is. We're just seeing a still photo. Uh but I bet you if we saw a video it'd just be like blinking out stuff. Well that's 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 why I wonder like, you know, is everybody else in the race experiencing the same thing? Because um, you know, if all the cars are jumping around, that's typically means it's, uh, it's your issue, right? Like your, your internet issues usually. Well, and this was the, the problem with, you know, that Mike and I did experience, like, you know, you're bottoming out and it's, uh, that's what it did with a lot of the cars. They would look like they'd roll on their side and then drop back down. So maybe that is what ha- is happening. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, next one I got, uh, we're going to talk about the race that we announced, uh, the special event for Chris Scales. Thanks, Chris, for being on the podcast with us. Uh, your wife is going through some uh, health issues uh, with uh, cancer, and um, we're helping raise some money for that by having a special event on October 4th, a Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And the buy-in is 25 bucks, guys, but guess what? You can The prizes are pretty nice. Uh, you got a sim wheel from Max Pappas as the grand prize. We got $25 Papa John's gift cards for the stage winners. Uh, and then second uh, and third place, uh, MPI Max Pappas gift cards for 25 bucks each. Also hats and uh, mystery awards as well. So, uh, man, you guys are in the money races. I mean, you're not going to win money, but you can win some good prizes that are worth money. And so, please come uh, join this event. Greg, tell us how to enter. Uh, before I tell you the enter, the other thing, just so we can elaborate on that, Max Pappas uh, wheel that they're offering is your choice of, I think there's three or four different choices on the site for those that specific uh, a wheel configuration. You can get a formula wheel or, or type 
a different type wheel, and then there's also all the oval wheels. But you also get the adapter that works for your um, your rig as well. So it, it's for everybody that's in there can you pretty much uh, use it. So it's up to uh, it's it's a pretty good gift. It's valued between 100 and 150 bucks depending on which uh, you're uh, going for. And uh, it looks like a really you can get up to a 15 inch uh, oval wheel if you want too as well. So I think uh, I think that uh, it was it was more than nice of uh, MPI to uh, to offer this for uh, helping out Chris and that for the race uh, for their cause. Um, now, if you want to enter, you send uh, me an email. Um, so that's at frozen cactus two O's for frozen and two K's for cactus at gmail.com. And uh, you send me saying that you want to be part of the race. I'll send you back all the details uh, of what you need. You'll, I'll confirm that you donate the $25 to Chris's uh, GoFundMe or Chris's wife's Go, GoFundMe page. Uh, also on the GoFundMe page, you can donate the $25 and just put, uh, what did you say, Mike? It was a zero tip. Um, for yeah, him. they'd ask you for a tip as you're paying just, the thing, and I just put zero. But the tip okay. is to pay for the GoFundMe uh, company or whatever. But anyway, if you just search the word Samantha Marie Round 4, at GoFundMe.com, Samantha Marie Round 4, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, and when you're sending me the email, also designate the three three car numbers that you'd like to have, and then so we can you can pick your own car numbers for the race, um, and I'll obviously pick one of those three depending on first come, first serve, and all the details will be sent out, um, I think, the, a week before. I know Hammer and I were talking today. We're going to test the setup to in a room this weekend Daytona, um, for it. Daytona, A-car. Yep, and then also uh, the week before we'll send. I think should we send the setup out a week before? This is what I haven't we haven't discussed yet, but uh, we might get the setup out so you can test it just to see how it feels for you guys. Well, we'll talk to the people that are enrolled, but boy, we need some more people. We got about half the room filled. We need to fill the other half, guys. So uh, we I know we got six, seven hundred actual listeners that listen to this on a regular basis. So out of those 700, one of you guys listening want to join us for some fun Wednesday that night. So come do it. It's 25 bucks. You can win all kinds of cool stuff. So get in on it, guys. Do it. All right. Uh, and then the final thing on this is uh, actually Samantha Scales is going to join us on next week's podcast. And we're going to talk to her briefly. Uh, about how she's doing and what her thoughts are about the charity event. So make sure to tune in next week on next week's podcast where we'll talk to her uh, briefly. Uh, Chris, uh, any final thoughts on this topic? Uh, not really. Just to really appreciate it. This kind of came out of nowhere. I think like we had kind of talked about, I was kind of iffy about even posting the GoFundMe on the, the team Facebook page. I just kind of just weirded out about it. And then... Last week couldn't make the podcast because she was just having a really terrible day, and then I hop on just to catch this, and yeah, it was amazing. I can't, I it's it just it blew my mind. And like she she hadn't smiled in probably three days, and she went from uh, yeah tears of pain to tears of joy. I and mean, you guys really made her day. All right, cool. Well, that's the whole idea, and we'll uh, hope she gets better. Uh, so, guys, get enrolled in the race. It's October 4th, excuse me, October 3rd, which is a Wednesday. 
and uh, it's called the Beat the Hell Out of Cancer 250. <laughs> and we'll also be posting all this uh, again this week on all the you know all the social media as well, just trying to you know bring it back to to everyone's uh, view again. Yeah, we got half the people pretty much signed up. We need uh, the rest of you all to get involved, so do it. All right, Will, what's next? We got a new video from iRacing. Yeah, I actually was just watching that right now. It looks like we got a new promotional video. Um, it sounds like we had Will Vincent there narrating it and just talking about iRacing. A lot of really cool action shots. It looks like a really well-done promotional video. It's like a regular commercial. Like if they were going to put a commercial on TV, this might be it. This, yeah. What is iRacing about? The overall service. It, it shows a lot of the different cars. Yeah, it goes in-depth on the cars as far as just good quick action shots. It looks like it's showing a lot of really cool stuff with the World Championship Series, whether it's the Peak, IRX, I always forget the acronym for the Rallycross now, or any of the World of Outlaw Championships. So it really does a really good job going in-depth, very good promotional piece. Something that I could really imagine seeing played during, like, say, a cup race during a commercial break. Yep. Yeah, check it out. That's on iRacing's uh, YouTube page. All right, Chris, uh, we're going into hardware software. You got the first one, the Heisingenveld. Is that how you say that? <laughs> Heisingenveld. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, that sounds good. But, uh, yeah, they're, they've come out with a new pedal set or are coming out with a new pedal set. And I, I, they look freaking awesome for the you know the five hundred dollar price range, as far as the pedal set goes. But I couldn't. They're not. From what I can see, they're not like a true hydraulic pedal set. But it does look load like cell. they have. Yeah, but they yeah exactly. They do have load cells, and the brake looks like it has. Like I said, it's not hydraulic, but it looks like it has um, a shock in it. Um, so you would be able to adjust the stiff the stiffness. I couldn't find. I couldn't confirm that, but that's sure what is what it looks like. And I think it's, uh, let's see, I think I lost the price, but it was just under $500. Four twenty nine, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so, for the two pedal, and then the three pedal is just a little over 500 No, I'm sorry, 472 I found them on that third link. Uh, there is a place called demon-tweaks.com that is selling them at 472 bucks. Yeah, if you're in the market for a new set of pedals, it's probably, like I said, I didn't dig into it enough to know all, all the specifics, but it's probably worth looking at because they look like a pretty sturdy set, pretty good set of pedals for that price. Yeah, that's the two-pedal price. The three-pedal is 566 and that is a load-cell type pedal. That's what they call it. Now, what always get me on these particular brand, Heiskenveld, is they're not mounted to something. They're just, like, loose. And, man, the way pedals work, you, they have to be mounted well. And so that's something you really have to figure out if you're going to buy these. So, what do you guys think? I mean, if you bought these, would you know how to mount them? I mean, what would you do? I think for a lot of people, if you're spending that much on pedals, like you have a rig, and I think a lot of people end up taking their pedals out of whatever they come in anyway to mount them kind of in their rig or on the wall or, or whatever. So, I don't know. I don't know that it's a huge deal, but it seems like yeah, you're, they should at least have another a plate option. Or something. To, yeah, yeah, it should at least come with that, something. Right. Yeah. It doesn't come with anything to mount them. I'd be going to my local fabricators and having them whip me up something to, to mount them to. Absolutely. I mean, they have screw downs on the bottom on all four corners. I mean, it looks pretty simple. 
I um I just got the Fanatec V3s and I kind of custom made a plate for the bottom of my rig to bolt them down. The one advantage I would say with this design is the V3s you have a set gap between the pedals and you can't adjust them side by side. Being individually mounted with these, it would be a pain in the butt, but I would love to be able to get that proper gap between your gas, your brake, and your clutch. Well, and more adjustability. The nice thing on it, too, is the way they they sit is it looks like the, there's a, a little bit of play in between the, those uh, where they mount, so you can have adjustability. Well, it looks like up and down adjustability, but you could you're talking about if you're going to mount them they're good for like heel towing you can get them in the right spots for like road racing and stuff like that to be able to heel tow yeah Yeah. right right now with my v3s the gas and the brake are too close together in my opinion i wish the brake was a little closer to the clutch with these you'd definitely be able to make that happen okay so uh to clarify uh it does say on their website at heiskenveld.com uh they're the sim pedal sprint which is this new one the sim pedal sprint will replace the sim pedals pro in our product lineup the sim pedals pro will remain on sale for a discounted price until stock runs out and so the pricing i just gave you before was actually the pros the old ones so sorry about that confusion the new ones are going to be uh, 719 euro or 594 euro for non-EU customers. So you have to pay more and if you're in Europe, I guess? That doesn't make sense, but that's what it says. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, with all the talk about hydraulic pedals... Um, I think people forget about these kind of pedals, too. These load cells are always a good alternative, you know, if you don't want to go full hydraulic. Yeah, the combination of the load cell and then that that um, that little pneumatic deal, you know, shock on the brake makes a a big deal, too. I've, I've actually considered mounting, like, shocks from a, a RC car to my brake pedal just to give it a little bit more. Custom. Yeah, yep. Okay, uh, Greg, uh, you're next with a new kind of simulator. Yeah, I was just watching this video. I'm going to bring it up here. and But it looks like they've made a, what it's like to be inside. Uh, I'm trying to see what, what car is that. Oh, LMP, the LMP car. Um, it looks like they've mounted screens on the outside of this. Uh, they've made a chassis that has a surroundings, and it makes it look like they're inside a car. And uh, they are going around the uh, lime rock here and man it uh talk about being immersed inside of a car like the field of view is like perfect and uh the way that uh it feels like he's you know enclosed inside that car Um, it's a circle projection screen a half circle projection screen oh is that what it is yes okay so there's no seams or anything as you look from left to center to right and you're right he's in an actual car chassis or the equivalent of, and all the sim gear is in it, and you crawl in it, you open a door, and you step into a car, and it's got this half-circle projection screen. And Anyway, it's pretty cool. The uh, first time I've seen the, this company, but it's called kcrsimulators.com. 
Yeah, I tried to find some prices on this stuff. It looks like they make all kinds of cockpits, but you have to just email them some info for more information. So yeah, I'm sure. If, if you look at their pricey. website, there, you'll see more pictures of it that will show that circular projection screen. But they, you can contact them and buy all this uh, turnkey. And it, when you get into the chassis, so to speak, it, it from inside it looks like a real car, but from the outside it kind of looks like a a little Star Trek. Uh, go pod that you would fly in space just a tiny little spacecraft is what it looks like from the outside it's just like a little cockpit with a like that completely uncovers you to be honest it looks like uh it almost looks like a mclaren body like the like the an part of the body McLaren. right well no the the car one looks like a mclaren car right and it's just the center section of it and then the formula one one is like is like the uh, monocoque right Right. I would love one of those screens. Oh, my God. Yeah, the screen is very impressive. But obviously, the projector has to be mounted from the ceiling right above the cockpit. They don't show any pictures of it, but uh, you got to have a room to put this in, you know? All right, pretty cool. Uh, all right, Tony Groves, you're up next. Yeah, actually, I think I'll let Greg take uh, take the lead on this one. This is uh, definitely in, in his okay. wheelhouse. Yeah, Fanatec wheel, huh? So uh, it looks like they were asking about uh, the PlayStation 4 version, or like the F1 PlayStation 4 version that's supposed to be coming out of their direct drive in uh, to be alongside the uh, you know their sponsorship with F1. Um, and I guess Thomas, uh, was it Jack or Jack Amir, the founder? Or what, uh, yeah, he's Fanatec. the guy with Fanatec. Yeah, so he's the one with Fanatec that does a lot of the, their announcements. And he's saying that, uh, sorry for your, the name there, Thomas, I bad last names. Um, the reveal uh, of the F1 license wheel um, isn't coming yet, but looks like they could have it ready for Black Friday and have inventory in stock. Um, but also they're, you know, they're going to also bring the PS4 version out of the direct drive as, alongside with the direct drive 1 and 2. Um and they got full support of Sony from for all those, I believe, as well as what he's saying in that post. So, is there a market it. for people running PS4 to buy this wheel? I'm I'm just surprised. Well, I I have the CSL Elite PS4, which if you have that base, you can buy any rim for it. The rim, the PlayStation base rim comes with it. Will work for the PlayStation, but you can add the Xbox hub for it to run the Xbox, and then obviously any of those rims work for the PC, so you basically get a three-in-one console version because um, Sony likes to differ their, uh, their stuff. So Sony puts all their information and hardware in their base um, and want, you know, sole rights to it. So the way that uh, uh, Fanatec's gotten around it is, okay, they make the base, but then you can buy the next Xbox hub. Same wheelbase works for Xbox with that hub and a different rim. And then you got each one of those rims will work with the PC. So you basically got a three-in-one con- or thing, depending on if you're, you know, all PlayStation, Xbox, or all PC. Like, I use all three, so that's why I bought this PlayStation one. That's why I did a lot of research to buy the CSL Elite uh, PS4 right. version of it, right? What I thought was cool about his announcement is new F1 licensed steering wheels. And so... 
And they're actually going to be F1 licensed, uh, which is kind of cool. So that means it's probably going to look, I don't know who, who they've got the license through, but what steering wheels are going to look like then? Which car do they have a license with? If you're on their website, you could kind of scroll through like the um, on the homepage, and it kind of gives you an outline. And I've never seen a Formula One wheel like it because you have the handles on the left and right, a bar across the top with kind of like the yoke in the middle. But the bottom is not connected via the left and right side. You kind of see like an outline of it. I really think it's going to be like a, almost like a generic F1 wheel. The the one thing I can see it possibly being, if it's that image, it could look like the Williams uh, wheel from F1. They don't have a dash in the center like all the other ones. They have a dash on their right in front of their uh, um, their visor on the on the front of the car, their their windscreen. So they don't use – they have all the buttons on the wheel, but there's no inputs like they have a screen or anything, seeing anything. It's on their – on like a dash, whereas all the other F1 wheels have a big screen in the middle. So I'm wondering if they're modeling it after that because it looks more like that kind of rim. That makes sense. So yeah, because there's really not a whole lot of room there in the center to have any kind of screen or monitor. All right. So stay tuned for new wheels from Fanatec. Uh, Black Friday. Uh, Tony, you got the next one. Uh, special rigs on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So this one, we got a, we got a couple. And the first one up is from uh, sim racer Chris Green. And uh, this thing is, uh, is an absolute beaut. It's obviously set up for uh, VR, and it's all done in 8020 um, aluminum. And... He, he, it's it's decked right out. He's he's got the butt kickers. He's got the uh, the wind simulators on there. Um, you know the full out seat with the seat belts, and it's all decked out in a nice red uh, red color scheme to it. Um, I don't see it. He's missing anything on this except maybe I don't see a handbrake. Maybe maybe we need to put an X for no handbrake. But I see the sequential shifter. I see the eight shifter. Um, this thing is, uh, looking pretty solid. I love it. I mean, I love the color coat, the coloring too. I mean, even the pedal pedals are red and then it matches the seat and it matches the belts and everything else is silver and it just looks really good. Yeah. Kudos to Chris Green. That's a very nice setup. Yeah. And uh, the other one that came along with this was uh, a very similar styled um, setup, a little bit more flash. Um, th this one's a full mo. Uh, this one's motion. It looks like it's got the D box type uh, motion setup. Um, he's got the wind simulators on there as well. Um, not quite as colorful, but I see a mighty mean looking button box. Two of um, them. Is there? There is two of them. Yeah. So one's down on the on the right, and then. One's uh, mount mounted a um, little more vertically, just in front of the uh, just in front of the shifter there. But holy cow, yeah, you got a button for just about everything on there. Another really really slick looking system. And it's I like think can... that chair is that same experience chair that's got the hydraulic flaps in it. You see oh. the servos on the back of the chair. Oh, good call. Yeah, I missed that. I thought I I thought I was uh oh, that's so just yeah, what they call that a G5000 or whatever what is it called? Yep. 
I thought those were like butt kickers or something of that nature, like kind of like a rumble pad. But yeah, that's really cool. You can land a plane with that thing with that many buttons. Yeah, check out this Instagram page, guys. It's pretty cool. The guy's name is Sim Racer Stuff. Sim Racer Stuff, all one word. And he posts up basically beautiful pictures of beautiful uh, VR rigs, pretty much. Might, might be able to get some ideas. Uh, the, and, and you know what? All of them, they all have the wind uh, thing going with the fans. And I just feel like I'm missing out because I don't have that. All right, uh, Will, what's next? Ah, you caught me sleeping here. Um, Looks like we had uh, first pictures. This is another wheel. That, this one is Greg. Greg found this one, but there wasn't a price. Yeah, it looks like a custom-built wheel to match. Looks like possibly an Audi either. Looks like they have a R8 LMS carbon fiber wheel. Custom-built. Looks like it comes with its own little carrying case. The case right. looks nice. Uh, the wheel looks so pretty good. I mean, it looks like something I probably don't want to see the price on. <laughs> so it's a Thrustmaster capable wheel. Yeah. So, so this is uh, F1 Sim Games is the name. They're on Facebook. There, I couldn't find pricing. I tried to, but I couldn't. Uh, they don't have it published. I don't know if it's a new product or what. It's at the bottom of the page. It's another email us for a quote. So it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, if you don't write the pay, uh, number on the page, yeah, watch out. It looks like it's like very well purpose-built. You have traction control, ABS. Um, you have all the knobs and buttons you'd really ever need. It even looks like you have a push for a pass left, pass right notification in sim. Um, it's definitely purpose-built for road racing, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, you can find that on Facebook at uh, F1 Sim Games is the name of the place. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Chris, you're next. Uh, the new cards, the 2080. Yeah, and we've had I've seen a, a few comparison videos come out so far. I hadn't seen uh, this one yet. This is from J Two Cents. I actually have seen a ton of his videos though. He's uh, super reliable, and he. Uh, did a test between the the new 2080 cards and the old 1080s and kind of found that it's not worth the money. You're paying like 70% more money for 30% more performance if you're lucky. Um, most tests you're looking, in most games, you're looking at more around a 10% boost. Yeah, this is an interesting video. I did watch, I, I, I watched parts of it. But when he gets into the actual testing where he shows the data, which is throughout the bulk of the video, uh, he basically plays different games and he shows the performance based on which video card he used. The 2080 Ti, the 2080, or the 1080 Ti, or the 1080. And then he put up a bar graph. And so visually you can get a quick reference as he flashes the data on the screen for a couple seconds on each game of how it trends and what the overall performance amount increase is as from one card to the other. And so my findings from watching the data were the 1080 Ti and the 2080 were basically the same performance-wise. Okay, There were a few titles where the 2080 was just a little bit better, but not much. 
But the 2080 Ti, uh, which is the better one, that one was 30% more on a lot of titles, but on uh, a, a good third of them, down to maybe 10% more. So it was somewhere between 10 and 30% better on most gaming titles if you went from the 1080 Ti to the 2080 Ti. And so, like uh, Chris said, it's just at the most 30%. And, yeah, his overall conclusion at the end of the video was don't buy, don't buy. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> and if like I said, he does really good benchmarking. If he's saying don't buy, then really the only reason you're buying it is because you want to have the newest best thing. You're not gonna you're not gonna get enough of a performance boost to make it worth that kind of money. Well, it looks like a lot of people are gonna be a lot of these are gonna have to go out to a lot of testers and have a lot of reviews, and that's where a lot of their products gonna go. It looks like if they keep saying don't buy it, it might they might have to drop price pretty quickly. Well, I saw another video that we don't have listed here called Linus Tech Tips, who's very popular. And he uh, he also said something similar, but his take was, this is a new technology and the developers haven't had time to really develop for it. And so all the games are really geared for the Pascal-type cards, which are the 1080 Ti and before. Or they're called Pascal-type cards. And so this new new one these 2080s are a different technology called real-time ray tracing and so until that develops some more we're really not going to get the benefit of what this new technology brings out in these cards and so they're saying he was saying you know let it develop wait a year or two and then you know buy into this new ray tracing yeah, because yeah, well, if any of the games that are being made are going to have take advantage of that technology, they're just being made now. Because no, no de developer is going to spend a bunch of money trying to optimize for cards that nobody has. So yeah, I think that's your that's your best bet. Just wait like a year, maybe even two. Well, well sorry, ahead. Greg. I, I let me throw my two cents in here because uh, I I think that's like the horriblest thing to do. I want everybody to buy these new bloody cards. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, I I need those old cards to come down in price because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way in hell I can afford a, one of those brand new ones. But uh, a, a reduced price 1080 now that could be in 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 my reach. So come on, guys, you know, help help a poor Canadian boy out in his dreams of having nice graphics. The other well, thing I, I noticed the difference between the 1080 Ti and the 1080 is is a lot. And uh, if you can afford the difference, the 1080 Ti is definitely the way to go. Yeah, the uh, also if you're going to look for, you know, stuff that you want for your computers, uh J2 Sense is a good good all sense going to his uh YouTube page. I always go there to look at product uh if I'm wondering anything cuz he he reviews a lot of stuff and he has a pretty good system to benchmark everything and the way he he does videos like this for everything. So Definitely check him out. Yeah, it's called JZ, actual Z, 2 TWO Sense, C E N T S, all one word. And uh, yeah, he's on YouTube. He's got 1.6 million subscribers. So, all right, I got the next one uh, an email from a listener, uh, uh, Ben Saunders, who has emailed us before. Thanks, Ben. Uh, he's got a tip. Uh, that he wants to throw out that we have not actually covered on the show before. And so, uh, what is the easiest way of running triples alongside VR? Um, and how do you switch between them, basically? And so, he's got a method. And so, I'm going to read it. 
Number one, firstly, I set up a desktop shortcut to the iRacing folder located as standard in the My Documents. This gives you quick access to all the tweakable iRacing parameters. Number two, I set up my triples in iRacing so that I have a decent frame rate and everything looks peachy. Then exit the sim. Number three, I browse back to the folder I set up in step one, which contains my newly created iRacing render dx11.ini file and copy and rename it to render dx11monitor.ini. Number four, then set up my Oculus Rift in iRacing so that I have a decent frame rate and everything looks peachy. Then exit the sim. Number five, again, I browse back to that folder and that contains that iRacing render dx11ini file and rename it to render dx11vr.ini. I now create a copy of both of those render ini files I have just created and save them somewhere safe. Now that the hard work is done, all you need to do is decide, are you going to do VR or monitor? Go back to that folder and drop that particular INI into the folder. And that's the easiest way to switch back and forth. That's a great idea. Oh, what a, what a sad thing when you get to have triples or VR as a choice. <laughs> yeah. So that one file is what you have to adjust if... Uh, you're wanting to switch back and forth. Now, this assumes you have enough uh, graphics card to have everything plugged in at the same time. And I think that's a challenge for most people. I think usually the card has just enough for the triples or maybe the fourth, you know, the triple with the fourth, and there's no way you could run VR without unplugging something from the triples. Well, that's why everybody needs to go out and buy the 2080 so that way they can <laughs> run all that stuff all at the same time. That's a great tip, though. I wonder, there's probably some other kind of using that same. Yeah, it's crazy uh, that it only takes that one file. I thought it was going to be more than that. Uh, you were cutting out there, Chris. Uh, but I thought it would be more than that. I thought you had to change the Windows resolution. Am I mistaken about that? Um, I'm thinking he probably has it set up. So when you're in triples it's already in stays in that resolution. So instead of having screen one, two, and three, he has one long screen resolution wise. That's how I've always had to set up when I ran the triples and then Oculus, it automatically adjusts to the resolution for the Oculus headset. Okay. So can, is it, will, is it, would it be like I just have it sitting on the side of the floor here and I just pick it up and put it on my head and the triples would turn off and the VR would start? Yeah, so once you have the Oculus software open, um, as soon as you put that headset on and you launch the sim, it says, do you want to launch in Oculus? Yes or no. And if I hit yes, it launches straight to the headset. It opens a window and I have mine set to like, I think a, 1600 by 900 pixel in case I want to do any kind of recording or screen capture. Keep that still 1080 resolution. Just kind of compress a little bit. But if I hit no, then it goes to my one monitor on my rig as full screen. And the only thing I adjust is my field of view because Oculus, as soon as you launch, it auto sets your field of view to 110. Um, but if you had different INI files, you wouldn't have to deal with that at all. That's actually pretty smart to have that ready to go. Yeah, good idea. 
Okay. Now, one sorry, Mike. One very important thing um, that you kind of skipped over there was if when you make those separate I and I files, make sure to save an extra copy of them both um, in a, in a in a separate folder somewhere else, so you know where they are. Uh, you know, somewhere safe, so to speak. Um, so when iRacing uh, updates, um, those those files get overwritten. You have to go back and do it all over again. Right, good point. They need to be saved somewhere else, like on your desktop. They can't be in the iRacing folder. That was while I've been gone, my computer crashed, and I did actually have all of those files saved. Thank goodness, the only thing I couldn't save was my controller configuration, but everything else, I was able to just transfer the new file, or the old file in place of the new one, and I had all my settings back, all my black boxes were where I liked them in VR, and that was... I. Thank goodness I had those files saved. Not a bad idea to back up all those INI files, probably. Okay, well, let's jump into results. Uh, let's finish off the NASCAR iRacing Series from last week at Vegas. Uh, first week of the playoffs. Uh, I got, wow, P5 and the Thursday fixed. Uh, what a run. I was car number one. I ran top ten all day. And it was like weird because i wasn't fading on old tires as i usually do um i just was i guess they were fading as much as i were or worse and and you know there was certainly fall off but i didn't fall back through the field like i usually do and i was able to keep my track position through a tire run and wow it was a great race so uh really enjoyed that run and then friday open uh, chris you had a great race too uh, but you said to hear you got Butterworth. <laughs> yeah, I uh, had a clean race uh, all the way up to the end. And you guys decided to stay out on 20-lap old tires. And we had a one-lap one restart. And, yeah, he, Butterworth was one of them. Yeah, I always seem to find that guy on the track. But, yeah, he, he spun his tires, and I got right into the back of him, 4X, but still finished third. That caution third. came out immediately, yeah. So were you in position to win, or and that blew it, or what? Nah, not really. Actually, that was that was for that race. That was pretty good. That was probably as high as I had been probably the entire race. So I was okay with it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Didn't that ending kind of uh, that was you know about the same as as the Wednesday uh, open race? Was it not? Like right at the end, the guys didn't take the as. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember. I should have wrote stuff down about that race, um, and I didn't. Uh, silly me. Um, but I have a feeling, it, it seems to me that I remember that they were both kind of very similar. Everybody just crashed right on like the last freaking lap. Yeah, yeah, it was identical. The The front row didn't take tires on that one, and that one actually did cost me a spot. That should have been a second and another third. Right, right. Yeah, because I, I know I finished I finished eighth, and you know, top ten was good. Um Man, I wish I could remember anything else that happened in that race. <laughs> yeah, top 10. And you finished, so that's good. Uh, all right, Saturday fixed. Uh, Tony Rochette ran. He ran a P15. He was at a split higher than usual, only three cautions, which uh, would have had a top five. If he had saved enough fuel, he was two laps short. Didn't he say that his uh, crew chief thing was actually ran him out of fuel? He said that a couple times that the he's had to go above the crew chief um, app just to say it to be at the right amount because it's running them dry. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone else I've ever heard that's happened to before with the Crew Chief app, except for Tony. <laughs> so I don't know what's up. we got to figure him out. All right, uh, Sunday open. Chris, you got up early and got another P3. Yep, that was uh, the race Tony was was talking about that uh, we ran together. But he, yeah, it was it was it was a good race till the end. Again, you know, a couple guys, couple uh, just everybody told him, you know, they we had learned from the rest of the week. You don't want to stay out on twenty lap tires, even if you only have a lap or two. But they didn't listen. They wrecked. We had a caution. P three. But wait, that that one should have been a P two. But the guy, the guy that won, I was leading the race uh, for most of the race and was way faster. It had us all covered. He still won. He he still managed to get by the two wreckers and win the race. So all was right with the world, at least. Yeah. All right. Uh, then Sunday fixed. I ran P five again at Vegas. So I had two P fives there in fixed. Uh, just another good run, top 10 all day long, you know, the back half of the top 10, and uh, brought it up to P5 at the end there. Uh, I think that was the highest I got all day, but uh, I did good at Vegas uh, considering, um, and so I'm kind of happy with my results there. All right, moving on to Richmond. Uh, we ran Wednesday fixed, uh, Tony and I, Tony Rochette, he got a P12. He got loose in the triable, was running conservative, but had eight minutes required when he hit the wall by himself. Uh, 20 laps to go. Caution came out. The safety car glitched and never came out. So the caution was out, but no safety car. And so he finished P12 uh, with, a, with that problem. I got a P13. I was wrecked multiple times at Richmond. It's it's one of those things you just can't miss. So when they wreck up in front of you, it, it, they come up the track or they go down the track, and you go one way or the other, and they just come right up in front of you, and uh, it's just crazy. Uh, I ran last night, Wednesday open, uh, wrecked all by myself off four, um, spun out at one point, um, P16, but... Uh, I find it very hard to run Richmond. I, I just, you know, if I'm not up on the wheel and as you're coming up off the, the, the corner on the gas, I just lose it sometimes and uh, it's hard, but uh, yuck. And then today, uh, Greg, you got a P4 in your, your run, so good result. And then I think uh, Steve got a P8. Uh, yeah, Steve was P8. Uh, and Bobby got wrecked out. He finished 20th. Yep, and I got a P22. I was in top split. I uh, got wrecked out for 14 minutes damage, but I think the story of the race is the amount of cautions. Uh, my race was 18 cautions for 89 laps out of 200 laps. You were 17 for... Sorry, 15 for 75. I'm in top split. 18 cautions, guys. It's crazy. We were going five or eight laps at a time and then caution. Five or eight laps, caution. Five or eight laps, caution. The real life Vegas at race was Vegas race was probably pretty close to that. <laughs> once, they, once they got towards the end there, holy cow, they had like five cautions. We went 50 laps on our last run, but that was it. That was the longest run we got in our race. 
Yeah, we you never know, even got a long run. One thing I've seen they've done recently in some of the dirt um, pro races, if they have a couple cautions, they'll go to single file restarts. I almost wonder if that's something they need to do in NIS. I know some people wouldn't like it, but I would rather have a single file restart and go 20, 30 green flag laps than a double file restart to go three or four. Well, in our race, there was a lot of discussions. We had the we had a bunch of chatterboxes in our race, uh, and they were given their two cents on what they should do. One guy suggested that it should cost us, or you should start out the week with 22 incident points, and you have all week to have it. And I said to him, if you do that, you're not going to get any participation by the weekend, so that doesn't benefit iRacing. Another guy said, you got to pay to get your car, your incident points back. And I said, that won't happen either. People won't rent, really give up revenue for it. Like A lot of these guys are coming up with solutions where you know, they want to take, you know, it's an excuse to not put time in. You know, I, I was guilty of it. I haven't practiced much this week, but when I get into a race, I don't overdrive it. And a lot of people just in that room were just, you know, it's, if one guy didn't get going, they were going three wide into the corner. And then the guy on the bottom just never could hold it. I would say the only idea I feel like I've ever had that I think was semi-decent on that front is I would love to see them try to split races based off the I rating. I'm sorry, safety rating and not I rating at least for a week or two and see how that worked out. Because I feel like I would rather have five guys in a race be way faster than me and five I could be competitive with and maybe 10 that are mid-pack and 10 that are slow and have long runs rather than everybody be so on top of each other speed-wise that you have these wreck fests. I think let's try splitting these races based off a safety rating and not I rating and see how that works. Interesting. I have have some suggestions on this front. (laughs) In a second, I'll let you go in a sec there, Hammer, with yours. But the only problem I can see with that, uh, Will, is safety rating doesn't really dictate. It's too easy to go back up. So, like... For like for instance, I had a bad Indianapolis week, and I had a bunch of in, no, sorry, Darlington, and I went down to a one point, a one point one, uh, or sorry, a two point one uh, safety rating. Well, that's not indicative of who I am as a racer, right? That's just incidents per that week. But now I'm already back up to a four two weeks later, and it, it doesn't. Cha- I I didn't change as a person over those two weeks, so that's the only problem I can see with okay, it. I so see you'd be putting him in different splits, yeah. But would you have lost as much safety rating if you were in a race with cleaner drivers? I didn't think it mattered that week, though. Like, I I get what you're saying. So you're saying, obviously, if I was at, if I was going into that week, I was at like a four something. I would be racing against people that were at a four, and I shouldn't have lost as much as what you're saying. I would say, I would say, yeah, absolutely, because I mean. I take a lot more pride personally in my safety rating than I do my I rating. Um, if I lose a little I rating, hey, people are better than me. That's me. Got I have to improve. But I have a rough race where people are ramming in the back of me and stuff. Like that really grinds my gears. So I, as personally, I take more pride in my safety rating than my I rating. And as I try to have cleaner races, I will get better finishes because I'm finishing these races. I think. Judging it solely based on I rating, especially when you have high split races like NIS, 
it's super, super competitive to the point where you kind of have to move a person or be more aggressive and make those dive bomb passes. And I think that's where we get these problems where I think if, hey, I'm, I'm personally okay with being a mid-pack guy if I know the guy in front of me is genuinely quicker and that's where I need to personally improve. But as long as I'm able to have a clean race and a develop and learn my line, I would rather have that experience than an experience where, hey, man, me and these 10 guys, we're on top of each other. We're all equally quick, but now it's a wreck fest. And now I'm, instead of racing for two hours and getting that practice, I'm racing for 30 minutes. And now I'm in the garage for 30 minutes getting it fixed just to go out there and be in the way. I think there is some room to play there a little bit. And if it was done right, I think it would be a big improvement. Yeah. Hey, John. So the short end of this is that you're not you're not going to improve the quality of the racing without taking a short term hit on the participation. Those two things go against each other inherently. So you have to appreciate, and I don't like to speak in terms of totality, but in in reality, in order to improve the quality of racing, you will lose some participation in the short term. But the participation that gets lost is in the series at the highest license level. The trick to this is to get people to not want to lose their license that allows them in the vehicle. So if I have an A 4.0 and we were to quadruple the incidence points, for instance, I would drop down to a B license if I had, let's just say I got DQ'd in one race. I'd drop down to a B license. The next part of the solution is that once you get to a B license, you are at the B license until the end of the season. You get one opportunity to come back up to the A class. Hardcore. That. You get, but you get one chance to come back up to A class in that season. So like it is now, you go back down to B, you work your way back up, and you get into A, right? If you go back down a second time, you're done for the rest of the season. You're in the Xfinity series for the rest of the season. I would, interesting. I would agree on that. And one thing I've noticed, and we've seen these stats, is Mazdas and Street Stocks get the most participation. They're rookie, they're D-class. Yep. And as you work your way up, I feel, let's just say you get out of rookies and you get out of D, C through A should be open to anybody. But mm-hmm. let's say John Hammer grinds his way up to an A license. I'm at a C, which I'm really at an A, but let's say I'm at a C. Me and John Hammer sign up for the same race, the NIS race. I think because he's taken the time to get the A license, give him that 22 incident limit before he's DQ'd. But me as a C, yes. Because even in real life, say Jimmy Johnson goes out there and tears up a bunch of stuff. Nobody cares. He's Jimmy Johnson. He's gotten to that point. But Ross Chastain, he gets in a decent cup car. He's new. He starts tearing stuff up. He's held more accountable. So I think let's he doesn't let, get a free pass. Correct. And I think I don't think the license should be a free pass to like let's go out here and wreck people. But we've seen with the Formula One series with the Silver Crown car, not so much on the NASCAR side. I think the sim gets a lot of participation there. A lot of these A-series struggle, and I think it's because it is closed off to a smaller group of people. And if we open these up to anybody, say, with a CB or A class, 
but just hold each one of them accountable differently. So NIS say, is C, right? So if you're an NIS, you you only need a D four The problem is is that you can if you can drop down three entire license classes and still raise NIS next week. Think about that. I, that. I think that's wrong. I think that's why we get such bad races. I think you're a C license, you get eight incident points. You're a B license, you get 12. And you're an A license, you get 20. So give people a reason to want that higher license, not because they want to drive the harder car, but because they want to have a little more flexibility, a little more leeway. But you can't have the easy give back like you were talking about. Once you get the B license, like I only think you should get a shot at it. I can, right. I agree with that, yeah. All right, well, we're out of time. Final thought on this is when I look at my dual real timing from today's event of top split of NIS, there's one person with a B license. Everybody else is an A license. And so I, you guys have great ideas, but would it really affect this particular split? I don't think it would have. I'd still be racing about the same amount of people, the same people, and I think we'd still run half the race under caution. Uh, but it is crazy. Uh, let's get into final thoughts. Uh, Chris Scales, final thought. I just want to appreciate uh, y'all putting on the the race next month. That, like I said, that was a huge surprise, really awesome. And um, having a lot of fun with the old Bassers. I'm glad that Tony is is joined up now. I think we're at the Milwaukee Mile this coming Monday. That should be fun. Yep. And we're happy to have iRacing uh, involved, iRacers Lounge involved in the uh, sponsorship of that series. So thanks to the old bastards. And don't forget to sign up for that race, guys. Uh, you start by going to GoFundMe.com and search uh, Samantha Round Four. All right, uh, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, just looking for, I'm pretty much done the ovals racing for the week. Um, I know, uh, we might be, uh, I'll let John talk about what he wants to do with, uh, when his final thoughts, but, uh, I'll, I'll probably run some road this week, but, uh, anybody that wants to, uh, get in contact with me, email me about that, uh, uh about the, the event, uh, it's at frozen cactus at gmail.com frozen with two O's cactus with two K's. And uh, same thing, you can watch me on uh, twitch.tv at Frozen Cactus as well. And I stream the uh, podcast here as well as all the races I'm in. Um, And I look forward to racing with you guys. All right, John Hammer, final thought. Double the incident points. (laughs) And outside (laughs) of that, um, definitely need to get some hosted sessions up. And they'll be just pretty much open to anybody. Because I just need people in there to get a draft going and figure out if I have the weather right. I have a really, I think, unique approach to how to set up the weather for this and try to get um, a lot of opportunity for passing, but not a lot of opportunity for bump drafting. High tape, high temperature, high track state, night rays. It should be interesting. So we got to see if it's going to work. All right, so look for it and host it. Uh, yeah, we'll try to put something together and get some practices going. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, Tony Groves, final thought? Yeah, well, uh, last week racing at Vegas, um, you know, I, I did three starts, which is quite unusual for me, but I really liked that track. I had a lot of fun. Uh, two out of those three, um, you know, I was able to pull off top tens, which made me very happy. 
this week, well, I don't even know. Um, boy, Richmond, uh, after hearing your guys' horror stories makes me want to race it even less. So I may be taking a pass this week. Um, but uh, my, my, my silly brain will probably get me to run at least tomorrow night and uh, enjoy the wreck fest with the rest of you guys. Um, old bastards racing. I mean, those guys are, those guys are great. They welcome me right in, um, for my first race and, you know, hopefully I didn't stink up the show too much, even though, uh, two out of my four X's that night came off of bouncing off the pit road wall. I can't believe I did that, but, uh, I'm glad I don't stream as of yet. So nobody saw that, I guess. Um, yeah, other than that, man, like, Guys, join up to this race. Um, you know, it's for a good cause, and it's going to be an absolute blast. We're going to have, you know, oh, I know all these knuckleheads you hear talking tonight will be racing. So come on out. Have some fun. It's for a great cause. Yeah, and win a cool, cool wheel. Um, so good prizes, too. Don't forget that part. Will Gibson, final thought. Uh, just glad to be back. Uh, sorry for showing up a little late. I just got off work and ran straight to my computer. Um, always fun to talk iRacing. is Good discussion. I felt like I had there with Hammer. I could do that all day. So I'm um, really glad to be back. Uh, had one start this week in a sprint car fun race and won that. So kind of trying to shake the rust off and hopefully we'll be back out with, out there with you guys sooner rather than later. Yep. Happy to have you back. Uh, very good. Yeah, that discussion about SR, IR, and how to split races and stuff. Yeah, there was a huge thread on the forum, 14 pages. I think, John, you were in the middle of that. But uh, I didn't even bring it onto the show because it's just like five million people with five million opinions, and uh, nobody's uh, perfectly right. Uh, do I think we have a good balance, but could it be tweaked? Maybe. All right, my final thought is, uh, boy, Richmond. Wow, I can't believe how I suck here after doing so well in Vegas uh, with top fives in Vegas. I was thinking, man, maybe I got something here, but then I go to Richmond and. But it's been bad luck. Everything I've gotten caught up in has been I've run into people that are wrecking way in front of me, and I just can't miss it. There's no way to miss it. And that's what's been going on. So just looking for some luck, 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 and uh, looking forward to Charlotte. So, And with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.